This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Another Monday here, Mom's Basement, after a successful weekend of, uh, well, doing a bunch of nothing, OG. I did a bunch of nothing. How about you? I should hope you did a bunch of nothing. What with your senior citizen status now? Oh my, my advanced age. Your advanced age. <laughs> Just since, a, since you had your birthday last weekend. So. I can barely, barely raise my mug today now that I'm over the speed limit uh, to the men and women in our armed forces. I think we need oh, to do speed the limit. Navy federal shout out, don't we? The speed limit where in your neighborhood? The speed limit of my age. Over the speed limit. No, I know. But where is the speed limit 55 anymore? Indiana. You gave it away, Doug. Was I not supposed to do that? You gave it, it away. It was 35, dude. 35. Speed limit's 35 all over the place. What are you doing? I'm sorry. You know who wouldn't do that? You know who wouldn't turn their backs on a friend? U.S. <laughs> Armed Forces, that's who. U.S. Armed Forces would work for us all weekend long while you're trampling on our friendship. So let's raise our glass to these people that are heroic and amazing. On behalf of the men and women making Podcast in Mom's Basement, the men and women at Navy Federal Credit Union, here's to you. Let's go stack some Benjamins together. He got me invested in some kind of fruit company. And so then I got a call from him saying, we don't have to worry about money no more. And I said, that's good. One less thing. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm ready to give my two weeks notice because in two weeks, I open my art exhibition, which is all body paint. Mark your calendars. If you're thinking like me about giving your two weeks notice, today we welcome the author of Two Weeks Notice, Find the Courage to Quit Your Job, Make More Money, Work Where You Want, and Change the World, Amy Porterfield. For our TikTok Minute, we teach you how to stack your fries. In our headlines, one investor wins a settlement against Charles Schwab. Why? We'll tell all. Plus, we'll throw out the Haven lifelong to Sian, Sean, who inadvertently... I think it's uh, Sean. I think it's Sean. What? Sean. Well, that's not how it's spelled, Joe. Anyway, we're throwing out the Haven lifeline to that guy because he's inadvertently hoarding money. And then I'll share some two-week trivia. And now, two guys who want to give you two weeks' notice that your financial life is about to get better. It's Joe and O J J G. And a happy Monday to you, Stackers. You out of breath yet? 
oh, I could have gone a lot further, but I saw how annoyed OG was, and I thought, yep, check the box. Mission accomplished. I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. <laughs> was it annoyed? Quite a tale. Resting annoyed face is a lot different than uh, than I think it is, apparently. Than your active annoyed face? It was clever. Hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, OG is Not Annoyed Monday here on the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And welcome to the podcast party that Bankrate calls the best personal finance podcast of 2023. Big thanks to Bankrate and big thanks to you for hanging out with us. We got a great show today, OG. Amy Porterfield, you and I have been following her work for a long time. Generally, she speaks just to entrepreneurs. Today, she's going to help you transition into entrepreneurship, though, by kicking that job to the curb. You know, there's a lot of people, OG, as you know, that have had a good idea in business for a long time, just not sure not sure when to leave. And you should be afraid, but it's super fun. So you should have the fear and do it anyway. Absolutely. Great show today. But of course, uh, before we get to all that, we got to get to this. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, Staggers, is Military Appreciation Month. You know what that means. We are recognizing all of our stackers in the audience. My good friend Nords, Doug Nordman, who uh, some of you may know, he is a writer in personal finance. He's a guy I'd like to do. A shout out to he is such a giving member of the fire community, the financial independence, retire early community. Uh, Nords will do anything for you. It's just, just, I think some of that comes from his time on a submarine, like my nephew Colin, who's on a submarine right now and all the work that uh, he did there, just a super giving member of the community. And you know what? A Navy federal credit union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond, not this month, but every month. Navy Federal offers members only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Here's one of their offers in honor of Military Appreciation Month. Join and get $50 when you open a credit card. Of course, you want to have your whole debt strategy planned out, don't you? Don't just go open a credit card willy-nilly, as mom says. Uh, here's a disclaimer. You got to join and open your membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. So get on it, stackers. Annual percentage yield is a 0.25% for membership savings account, $5 minimum balance to open. Maintain your membership savings account to obtain the bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for full terms and conditions. That's just one of the things. They offer 24-7 help for their U.S.-based service members. They have resources all over the place. Head to NavyFederal.org for full terms, conditions, and other offers. Navy and Federal is insured by NCUA Equal Housing Lender. All right, Amy Porterfield waiting in the wings, but a TikTok minute and headlines first. So let's get moving. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Today's piece comes to us from Mark Schaff Jr. over at Investment News. This is, uh, this is a wild story, OG. Schwab ordered to pay investor $144,000 for allegedly unsuitable complex ETF. 
Mark writes, Dominic Ismert decided to get back into investing nearly three years ago, but he lost a substantial amount of money. And what his attorney said was a, quote, off the cuff piece of advice from a financial advisor at Charles Schwab and Company to buy shares in a complex exchange traded fund. Ismert cited, quote, flawed investment recommendations as one of his causes of action, a thinner arbitration claim he filed against Schwab in August 2020 after holding the wait for it. What do you think this uh, investment was? 3X uh, bull Tesla fund. Close. It was the United States oil fund Ah. from March until June of that year. He lost more than OIL, huh? Lost more than half a million dollars. What's interesting about that particular fund is uh, a lot of people got caught in that trap. We actually chatted a little bit, OG, about that trap, about how that ETF worked a lot differently than people thought it was. A ton of money flowed into that particular fund. This person uh, this person obviously lost a bunch of money. I don't want to go into the arbitration or into the advice component. Clearly, this was a recommendation for whatever reason. We don't know the reasons to get into something very complex that people don't understand. But this leads to a bigger discussion I want to have, OG. There's a lot of investors out there that see some of these complex investments like the triple X, whatever investment you're talking about, you know, the way leveraged investment, or they see an investment like this oil investment, and they think that more complex equals a better investment. And that is rarely the case. You can get where you want to go without getting all fancy. And the reality is, is that the more risky that an investment is, the higher the multiple of return has to be. So if you're like to justify the risk, yeah, a hundred percent. If you're, you know, you know that the biggest companies in the universe are going to kick off 10% a year. The small publicly traded companies in the universe are going to kick off 12% a year. Take it to the other extreme. Your cousin wants you to invest in his ice cream shop and he's promising you a 13% return. It's like, well, that doesn't really check, right? I'm taking a ton more risk by owning part of this really teeny tiny ice cream shop in exchange for a return that's not markedly better than what I can get in the public markets. Whenever you're concentrating your investment position into a single idea, you better have an expected return that's magnitudes higher than what the market will do. Otherwise, I don't understand the point of it. It's not a good risk-reward balance. You know, in in this case, and I said I didn't want to talk about the advice factor, but but based on what you just said, I kind of do. Because if this gentleman lost half a million dollars, my first question is, how much money did he put into this, right? Yeah. Because to lose half a million dollars, you put a bunch of money in it. To have somebody give you a recommendation, whether it's off the cuff or well thought out, for something that's as esoteric and just a sector bet like betting on oil would be, even without the fact that this particular exchange traded fund is more complex and also doesn't act the way that a lot of other oil funds work, to put a million plus dollars into an investment that's based on a sector bet? I mean, if, you're, if your advisor is giving you a million-dollar sector bet, what does that say about that relationship and your ability to drive your money? I mean, frankly, even if your advisor recommends that, you're, you got to be the CEO. you got to be the person in charge, OG. I just don't understand taking that investment advice and going, oh, a million dollars into oil? Yeah, let's do it. 
Well, and I think the other piece of it is people sometimes feel like they kind of run out of time and it's like, I've got to make the final push before, you know, I retire, you know, whatever. I don't know if we talked about how old the person was that made this investment, but you know, it's like, I only have this, I have to be risky to get, you know, the next thing so that I can, you know, retire or be whatever. And, and quite often that's really quite the wrong approach. It, it, I do find it interesting that since August of 2020, that fund is up 140%. So I guess he got out at the wrong time. <laughs> Isn't that wild? As, as I think, uh, what, what was her name? Alanis Morissette. Isn't that ironic? Yeah. But still, maybe not the right place to be. This this uh, gentleman, according to this piece, is a small business owner from uh, Kansas City. And that yeah. advice, deemed unsuitable, by the way, by other people. You know, when you win a class action lawsuit for six figures against a firm, then it clearly was not good advice. But still taking that, I think that we do think complex equals better. I think we also, to your point, think that Charles Schwab equals DraftKings, right? Charles Schwab and, Dra- <laughs> Charles Schwab and DraftKings might be two different things. I want to dive yeah. into one type of investment that a lot of wealthy people use that you know, people are clamoring to get into, and these are hedge funds. I got a piece here from Investopedia written by David Harper. David Harper writes, unlike mutual funds, hedge fund managers actively manage investment portfolios with the goal of absolute returns, regardless of the overall market or index movement. They also conduct their trading strategies with more freedom than a mutual fund, typically avoiding registration with the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC. Uh, people invest in hedge funds, OG, or want to invest, little people, meaning people with not a huge asset base, go, oh man, I wish I could get into these investments that wealthy people use. Wealthy people often don't use these hedge funds for the reason that non-wealthy people think they're using them. They think the average hedge fund investor is trying to get rich quick. They're hedging a lot of different things. Like there's a lot of reasons people use these and it has to do with managing billions sometimes of dollars instead of thousands of dollars. Well, and then, you know, talking about the complexity, these investments are also insanely complex from a cost structure and quite often are equally as bad as, you know, a singular investment, like putting your money into, you know, an oil trade or something like that. Only because they have, a lot of them have, um, uh, like a singular focus, right? Like our focus is shorting companies we think are bad or, our focus is overall uh, large macroeconomic trends, you know, that sort of thing. And, and if they get their thesis wrong, then they lose billions of dollars. Most hedge funds last year lost way more money than the market did. And you'd say, well, the trade-off must be they gained much more during the good times. And that's not the case. If we look at the years prior to it, they, uh, they underperformed then as well. And there's always some outliers, obviously. But the people who get rich with hedge funds are our hedge fund managers. I'd like to start one. I think it would be <laughs> well, good for me. T- <laughs> they do talk about one of the keys to hedge funds is that they're small, right? And if lots of people get in them, these managers that have a track record of doing great things yeah. end up, if they attract too much money, their strategy goes down the toilet because you can't do with big dollars what they can do with smaller money. So you've got to be somebody that's willing to pay this amazing manager, just to your point, a a bunch of money, even if they continually are good. And can you really afford that because of the fact, and I'm going to scroll down in this piece a little bit, they talk about hedge funds, OG, have a big problem. I don't think the average investor can really withstand, which a big investor can because they're maybe doing a hedge fund with a little sliver of their portfolio 
versus to get in a small investor would need a ton of money. They say fat tails are the problem. Hedge fund investors are exposed to multiple risk and each strategy has its own unique risk. They talk about different types of risk, but the problem is, is that hedge fund returns don't follow the symmetrical return paths implied by traditional volatility. Meaning if you invest in the S&P 500 and you expect X upside, well, that comes with a commiserate downside. And then the more risk you take, the more that tail wags both ways. Hedge funds have this big old Achilles heel, this piece explains, that if everything goes wrong, you could seriously lose your ass. You could lose tons and tons of money in a hedge fund. And the big investor also can withstand that, and the small investor probably can't. Yeah. There's other things like restrictions on withdrawals and knowing what's in the portfolio and and all those other sorts of things, which is kind of silly. But but there's some upsides too, in that hedge fund managers generally have the opportunity to invest in other, you know, they can design an investment portfolio that's a lot more diverse than just, you know, an ETF portfolio. They can have other types of business ownerships and that sort of thing. But generally speaking, kind of back to what we were talking about at the very beginning, the return doesn't match the the downside exposure. And I think central to all of this is you don't necessarily have any proof that just because Bill Thompson's done this for 20 years in a row, that he's going to do it for the 21st year in a row. And that's really kind of the selling feature of, of active management, whether it's hedge funds or Peter Lynch or, or any investment manager in the universe is if I'm an active manager, I've done this 10 years in a row. So therefore you should hire me. It's like, but that doesn't mean that you'll do it the 11th. There's no proof to that. Hey, Joe, how relevant is this to our typical listener? Because my assumption is that it, it costs like three or four million just to get in and it's like the bare minimum entry fee to get into most hedge funds. Is that is that just my brain making up stuff because of what I've seen on television or is that in the ballpark? Now, here's how it's relevant, Doug, is that we have these things, and I'm glad you brought this up because I think this is a good place to wrap this, is that in our brains... And in this person's brain, I think when we look at this Schwab investor, complex clearly equaled better, right? Getting into just oil equaled better in their head, which is why they must have taken this risk. I mean, I'm kind of putting thoughts in their head, but they must have taken this risk because they thought that getting into a single sector was better. Complex does not equal better. It equals more complex, which is why I brought up hedge funds. I brought up hedge funds because these are incredibly complex. and People go, oh man, I wish I could get in those. Do you really? We have other ones like that good and cheap, right? We often hear people go, well, cheaper, that means better. Cheaper doesn't mean better. Cheaper means cheaper, which is fine. If all things are equal, I want it cheaper, but cheaper and better are two different concepts. So I think that's, that's the relevance. We got to decouple those things from our head. Good point. Time for our TikTok minute time in the show. When we shine a light on a TikTok creator doing something brilliant or hashtag brilliant, Doug, which one you think we got for our uh, stacker community today. Uh, I'm feeling really strong about this one today. I don't know what came over me, but I think this thing is groundbreaking. I think this is, this is going to change a lot of people's lives. That, that's I'll tell you I what, think. I'm going to agree with you ahead of time. And I think our stacker nation will as well, because of the fact that uh, with a lot of talk lately, we've talked here on the show about non-competes and some of these ridiculous contract law that's unenforceable. I think this TikToker OG brings up a point where we need stronger contract law. Let's uh, let's listen in. 
Uh-huh. Listen to me. Yeah. I'm going to bake some french fries. <laughs> okay. To go with the sandwiches that I'm making. Okay. Do you want me to make you your own portion of fries? No, I didn't. So you fully accept <laughs> and acknowledge that there will only be enough french fries made for this party right here. I don't know. I'll probably take one or two. You understand that you have forfeited all rights to any french well, fries that are prepared on this the evening of May the 3rd, 2020. I might want like one or two. So should you so desire to have a portion of fries for yourself, I need to be made aware of that at this current time. I might want like one or two of them. I want an exact number of fries because I... <laughs> I think, I think we need stronger contract. I've had that problem myself. I've had that problem. I don't know if you've had that problem. I happen to have a partner who likes to encroach on my fry territory. Only one or two. Just want one or two. And she yeah. stuck with it. She stuck with one or two. And we all knew she was lying. <laughs> she totally lied. I could, I can hear the Maury Povich right here. And uh, the last 20 times prove <laughs> that you are not being truthful about one or two fries. Yep. Some good stuff. That's some strong contract law we need there. Let's uh, put those in place. I'm glad, I'm glad he stuck with it too, Doug. Like him, like, nope, I need to get a commitment yep. here. On this, the evening of May the 3rd, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Thought that was good. Amy Porterfield is a woman who is an entrepreneur. I've been uh, listening to her podcast and following her work for well over 10 years. Uh, she, earlier in her career, worked for a guy that I think uh, many of our stackers know, Tony Robbins. She was part of the Tony Robbins organization, actually had to go to Tony Robbins and tell him that she was giving her two weeks notice because she was ready to make her own entrepreneurial journey. Now she helps Tons of people do it. She has a new book out called Two Weeks Notice, Find the Courage to Quit Your Job, Make More Money, Work Where You Want, and Change the World. We're going to talk to her about all those things. How do we get on that path to entrepreneurship if we've got a great idea? But before we get there, Doug, our resident entrepreneur with the trivia, going to bring us a trivia question. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. I'd like to give you two weeks notice right now that we've been out of Miracle Whip for a full two weeks, as of like five minutes ago. Unless you leave in a crying fit of rage like I do every other month until Joe lures me back with a Lunchables variety pack, the standard amount of time to give when you leave a job is two weeks. Once you leave a company, there are three things to do with your 401k so you don't get taxed or penalized. So my question is, name one of the three. I'll be back right after I can't take any more of it, Joe. I just can't do it. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal 
rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because... Well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey there, stackers. I'm one bite lunchable eater and Joe's employee of the mouth. Oh, sorry. Read that wrong. Month. Joe's employee of the month. Employee of the month. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Once you've left the sanctuary of your company, you can't just take the money out of your 401k. Uncle Sam will be all like, I thought that was for your future, young man. Because he thinks you're a dirty liar, he'll steal back some of your dough. So how do you prevent a tax liability? You can roll over your 401k into your new employer's plan, roll over your 401k into an individual retirement account, or roll over in bed and just leave it there with your former employer. And now, to help you take the plunge, it's Amy Porterfield. I'm super happy we have her here, Mom's Basement. Amy Porterfield joins us. How are you? I am thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much for helping people quit their job. I've, I've got so many questions for you for people that are anxious about becoming an entrepreneur. Maybe this is the year, Amy, together, you and I, we make some new entrepreneurs. How great would that be? Yes, let's do this. My first question is just about you. Our stacker community, they know who Tony Robbins is. We told people while you were upstairs talking to mom that you were in the Tony Robbins organization. When you quit, how do you go up to Tony Robbins and go, Hey there, Tone Tone. Uh, I just well, I'm giving I don't my two do weeks that. notice. <laughs> Maybe not that approach. 
Uh, maybe not. I was really, really freaked out to quit my nine to five job. I had every single worry in the world, let alone having to tell Tony Robbins that I was leaving. And so there's a lot of chain of command before him, but I did send a message and I did let him know. And I really, quite honestly, shared very little. You do not need to go on and on when you are leaving. Keep it at a minimum. But here's what I will say. He wished me well. And we have this really funny thing in the organization when I worked there that when people left, we would make them videos. So my entire team made me these funny videos. Oh, things cool. And the very last video was Tony playing our favorite song, Don't Stop Believin' by Journey. He played the song a little bit, and then he just like wished me well and all the love. And so I kept that forever because it meant a lot. That's fabulous. What yeah. a great way to go out, by the way. And for people that own a business or run a business, like what what you do when you do that, I think, Amy, is you kind of create a like a um, an ally, right? True. I mean, for, for life, just because somebody's leaving your organization doesn't mean you're not going to be friends and help each other after this. It's true. I always, anytime anyone leaves my company, now I have 20 full-time employees across the U.S. And if they leave, God forbid, I wish them well. And I tell them, I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader out there. Go get it. Plus, I teach people how to be business owners. So I'm going to lose some people who become <laughs> business owners. So I've got to cheer them on because that's what I teach. I want to ask you about that because in the introduction to the book, you go into where the germ of working for yourself first came from. You were at a meeting Mm-hmm. while you're in the Robbins organization. Can you talk about going into that meeting and why you were there and what happened and why that sparked, hey, maybe I should go work for myself? Yes. Yeah, so at the time I was the director of content development. That means I got to work on the content Tony does on stage, Unleash the Power Within, Date with Destiny. It was amazing. But for this day, I was called into the San Diego offices to take notes for a meeting he was having with a bunch of online business owners. They were all men. They were all around this big oak table. I was at a side table taking notes. And Tony said, tell me about your businesses. He was doing a little bit of a focus group kind of thing. And these guys started talking about the lives they lead, the the lifestyles they have, the freedom, the financial freedom, creativity freedom, time freedom. And I thought, I don't even know what these guys are doing, but I want a piece of it. Like at the time, I didn't understand they were creating courses and memberships and physical products. They all had their own businesses. But all I heard is that they had created a lifestyle by their own design. They were calling the shots. And in that moment, for the first time ever, I was a corporate girl for life. I thought, I've never been that free. I've never called the shots and I want a piece of it. So it took about a year from that fateful meeting for me to get the courage to finally leave my last corporate job to build my own business. I created my own runway and I left a year later. I want to go into that because you go into some of the things that you experience that also a lot of people that are fans of yours experience when they think about leaving their nine to five. Number one, they don't know what business to start. They're like, yeah, I want financial freedom, but I don't know where to start. Where do you begin if you've no idea? You just know I don't want to do this anymore. Yes. You know, in that meeting, this is the total truth. I looked at one of my friends who I worked with and I said, I want to be my own boss, but I have no skills that would translate into being my own boss. I didn't even use the word entrepreneur, way too fancy. That wasn't me. But I said, business owner, be my own boss. And she said, of course you do. And I said, I have no skills. And so it took me a while to kind of figure out what I would do. So I developed the sweet spot. There's four quadrants of the sweet spot. This is how you come up with your starter idea. We're not going to overthink it. Number one, what are you good at? Where have you gotten results? What do people always ask you about in your personal life, 
and your business life. You'd be amazed how many different topics are out there with people creating businesses. So find out what you're good at and what could maybe translate. Are you an accountant? You could do that on your own. Are you really good at training your dog? You'd be amazed how much people make with training dog videos online. There's so many different things you could do, personal and professional. What are you good at? Where have you gotten results? What do people ask you about all the time? First quadrant. Second quadrant is who might you help? Because we kind of got to figure out what kind of problem we're going to solve. So who is it that you want to help? The easiest way to look at this is help somebody who's you, but like five years ago. You just need to be like 10% ahead of them, right? So serve people that are just like you, but they're just a little bit behind so you can show them the way. So just you just need a 10% edge, just be 10% ahead of those that you want to serve. The third quadrant is where are people spending money? So when you start to think of what you want to do, like one of my students, she makes bank on teaching people how to make caramel candy apples. That's her whole business. What she did is she said, are people spending money on this? And she did some research and they are. So are there books about it, podcasts about it, courses about it, coaching around it? Will people spend money for whatever it is you want to offer? And the fourth one is what lights you up. Notice I didn't say what's your passion. We're not going to go down a rabbit hole. We never come back up. That one's kind of too big. Just what lights you up? What do you enjoy? Let's do what you enjoy. So you're going to get out of bed every morning and do it even when it gets hard. That's fabulous. So you come up with your idea, but you're still afraid that I might fail, right? I mean, why did it, is is that why it took you a year or was it the financial runway? Was it all the above? Uh, It was all of the above. I absolutely felt like, what if I fail? And then the next question was, what are people going to think? I was so concerned what my coworkers were going to think about me putting myself out there. Someone reminded me, if they're not paying the bills, they don't get an opinion. And they're they're not even paying (laughs) as much of attention as you think they are anyway. So uh, fearing what other people are think is very real and very normal, but it also doesn't matter. Who cares what they think? You're going after your dreams. The second one was finances. I've always been really financially responsible. Well, not always. Actually, I got myself in a lot of debt at one point. What am I tooting my own horn for? But overall, I feel like I've been pretty responsible. And I was terrified to leave and think, what if I can't make money? I won't literally be able to put food on the table. My my paycheck meant something in my family. And so what I did is I started a side hustle. So in order to ease that financial anxiety, number one, listen to your podcast so you can start to get educated around your finances. Number two, look at your finances and be real with yourself. How much do you actually need to make every month to cover your expenses? We've got to get in reality here. And then third, while you're still at your nine to five job, start a side hustle. My book, Two Weeks Notice, can be used to start a side hustle or a full-time thing, but I like a little money coming in before you actually take the leap so that you've started something from the get-go. And that little extra cushion will give you some confidence as well. What I like about the idea, Amy, of a side hustle is you can really play test this idea. Like if you're, you know, when you've talked about caramel candy apple sounds delicious, but if nobody's buying them the way you think or your recipe's bad or whatever, you can do small batches and figure out a lot of the mistakes that people make that, you know, you don't have to jump off the cliff. I love that. Yeah. Make all of your mistakes in that side hustle and take the time to do so, so that when you do go out on your own, you're, you're on steady foundation. You know, everybody has 
when they first start out, they have this imposter syndrome, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's fear and then there's, okay, this lights me up. This is something I think I'm good at, but there's a ton of people that are already doing this dog walkers. There's tons of them, right? Why me? And how do I make a space for myself? That's different than what they can get anywhere else. Okay. So I love this because when I go through the sweet spot and I get to that third quadrant, which is where are people spending money? The question that comes up is, well, Amy, if it's already being done before and it's being done by, it's already been done and it's being done by someone that's making lots of money, there's no room for me. I have to remind people that there are almost 8 billion people in this world and all you need is a tiny sliver of the internet to pay attention, tiny sliver. And so No one will teach it the way you do. No one has the life experiences that you do. And we all know that we pick and choose who we want to learn from. There's 20 people out there that are teaching the same thing, but there's only one person that I really can relate to because she gets me. She's walked my my journey as well. That's why I love to teach people who have been like me, but just a few steps back because I get them. So let me tell you right now, it doesn't matter if it's been done before. There's always room for you. You've just got to stay authentic and do it your way. And people definitely want to buy from you, from Mm -hmm. a person. And I always have to remind myself that, and that there's always, if you're good at what you do and you've pride in what you do, there's always room. Like, I don't think it matters, Amy, how crowded the field really is. If you're good at what you do, the field will make room for you. Absolutely. That's such a great point. The field will make room for you. So that means you have to show up consistently. You've got to put yourself out there, take imperfect action, all the things we know, but we're very afraid to take the leap. You write early in the book, and I thought this was a fantastic tactic, that you write your exit date down. Like you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm creating my strategy. Maybe it's six months from now. Maybe it's a year from now. Maybe I'm going to start off as a side hustle. It's going to become a full-time thing two years from now, whatever it is. But you put that in the calendar. Mm -hmm. Why do you put that date in the calendar? This is so simple, but so important. There are women listening, men and women, but listening right now that you're either in a cubicle and you're thinking, this cannot be my end all be all, or you're a stay at home mom and you haven't yet gone back to the workforce, or you're just in a job. You might be in a flashy corner office and you think, I don't want this. I'm underpaid, undervalued, and I don't want this. So the only way to get going is to declare when you're out. And for me, at the point that I made that post-it note, it was six months. So although it took a year for me to get going, the first six months, I was a little rocky, not sure what if I was going to leave or not. Once I said, no, I'm leaving, I wrote down my date. It was June um, 20, uh, I forget the year now. Every time I'm on camera, I get nervous. uh, 2009, so uh, June, and I wrote it on a post-it note. And here's the thing. I put it on my mirror where I get ready in the morning. And every morning when I looked at it, I asked myself, What do I need to do today to move me closer to committing to that date? Like I'm doing that. Come rain or shine, that date's happening. What do I need to do today? Do I need to make a call and ask for help? Do I need to pick up that book? Do I need to watch some YouTube videos just to start getting more knowledge and understanding since I've got six months to, uh, I wanted to fuel my brain for the next six months. That date is important. Set a date to make it real. Let me ask you about business planning since if I look at that and I think, okay, every day I've got to do something, I clearly want to put together a business plan. You say, don't mess with that traditional business plan, you know, that bankers will show you or you'll find on a Google search. 
It's so true. So here's why. I have many, many, many peers in the industry. I've been around for 14 years. I've never, ever seen a fully fleshed out business plan. Don't even know what one looks like. What you do need a plan, but not a traditional business plan. You don't need a fancy website. You sure as heck do not need business cards and you do not need a business plan. These are three things that people totally fixate on and never get started. You need a starter idea. Get my book, go through it in much more detail, ask you the questions you need to pull it out of you. Let's get your starter idea. That's that sweet spot I talked about earlier. From there, I'm gonna walk you through a runway. You're gonna get clear on your finances. You're going to choose your date. You're gonna possibly start a side hustle. All of that matters. The other things do not. And so I I wrote this book to help you focus on what will matter to get you moving toward what you want and also show you what doesn't matter. We can get lost in so much nuance that we don't even need to be worrying about. I just want to stop for a second, Amy, because what you just said, I think is so absolutely important. Like, I feel like the reason we get fixated on the stuff, it's the same reason when, when you and I see people creating new podcasts, what microphone should I get? What hosting platform? Who cares? It doesn't matter. I bought this stupid, (laughs) I bought this stupid $400 microphone because a guy named Cliff Ravenscraft said it was great. I could have done this. I could, and I love Cliff too, but I could have done, now that I know what I'm doing, I could have done it for a quarter of the money and don't, and I don't regret Cliff. I don't regret the <laughs> microphone. It's been a great microphone. It's lasted for a decade. It's got a good sound, but I could have done it for a hundred bucks. And if I spend a lot of capital on all this stuff and you make this point, your business can be a hell of a lot less capital intensive than you think it is. If you take these steps in the right order. Absolutely. And so that's the stuff that matters. Also, one of the reasons why I teach people how to create an online business is because the overhead is so small. You're going to be a solopreneur in your first year. You don't have a team. You not you don't have an office space. You don't have any extra overhead, really. And the money you make, you pay the bills and you invest it back into your business. That's what the first year looks like. So in the book, I talk about making money and how to put together your first offer and what to charge because we do need to start bringing some money in. I'm not talking about a hobby here. I want this to become your full-time thing. Yeah, absolutely. I have two more questions. Number one is your advisors, right? You want to surround yourself with good people, friends and family in there, friends and family not in there. And then, and then if so, or if not, who are you really looking for to advise you as you're ramping up? Ooh, I love this question. I don't necessarily think friends and family are in that category of advisors. In the book, I talk about when you decide to leave your job and start your own thing, tell very few people because most people won't understand and they'll tell you all the reasons you shouldn't do it based on their own fears. So I do talk about who to tell and who not to tell. But when we're talking about advisors, What I did in the beginning is I found a few people online that had businesses like I wanted and they became my mentors. They did not know it. I wasn't even paying them, but I followed them online. I dissected everything they did. I was on their live calls. I was on their website, pouring over their podcasts or their blogs. Find just a few people, one to two people in the beginning that you feel could be a great guide. Follow everything they're doing. And if they're willing to share it with you, devour it. That's exactly what I did in the beginning. Also, real quick, clean up your social media feed. So if you're ready to go out on your own, you choose what you want to do with your starter idea, clean up that social media feed where every single day you're seeing people do what you want to do to inspire you versus things that don't even matter right now. We have to go for total immersion. The self-talk, the self-talk that you have to give yourself during the dark days, just absolutely just fantastic advice, Amy. Last thing, 
And you make a big point of this, which is, you know, your impetus when you start off is going to be to go 24 seven, right? If you're yeah. proud of it and you want to build this business, you're going to go 24 mm-hmm. seven. Like you, you write though, that there's some non-negotiables and there's family members that want to see you. Can you talk a little bit about putting limits around your business? Yes. I didn't know what a non-negotiable was and I had zero boundaries when I first started out. One of the biggest mistakes I made. And about a year into my business, my husband, who was a new husband, like newly married, he said, I don't even know who you are anymore. I don't even see you. And that scared me because my marriage is my most important thing in my whole life. And so because of that, I realized, whoa, 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 I need to fix this. One of the things I want people to think about is what kind of life do you want How do you want to show up in your life? Do you want to be there at pickup for your kids? Do you want to be at the kitchen table at dinner? Do you want to have your weekends off? What kind of life do you want to create? Let's build a business that fits into that life. And it starts with non-negotiables. So for me, I stopped working at six o'clock. I rarely worked nights and weekends anymore. These are things I had to kind of back out of because I was working every hour of the day. I also stopped taking clients out of pure desperation. So I was afraid, what if I don't have make enough money? What if I can't find another client? So I took clients I hated working with, then built a business that I didn't even like. So non-negotiables are important and I'll teach you how to create them in the book. The book is called Two Weeks Notice, Find the Courage to Quit Your Job, Make More Money, Work Where You Want, and Change the World, which is the another exciting part, Amy, that we didn't even get to, that truly... Once your business is established, you start thinking about how can I give to my community? Like, how can I give back? And that becomes, and I know you're big on that. And that's a huge thing. Yes. The more money you make, the more good you can do. It's fabulous. Books available tomorrow everywhere. Everywhere. So you could get it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever you want. Thank you so much, Amy, for spending a few minutes and helping stackers take that jump. Let's, let's do this guys. Let's become entrepreneurs in 2023. Thank you so much. Thank you, friend. Hi, I'm David Stein. When I'm not talking to other people about money on Money for the Rest of Us, I'm stacking Benjamins. Big thanks to Amy for joining us. Oh, gee, I really want to go back to one key point she said, because I think this just isn't important if you're becoming an entrepreneur. But this idea of putting a calendar date and saying, this is the date I'm going to make the move, whatever that move is is a fantastic way to keep moving in your life. I've had to do it with, right? The, the best way to train for a marathon, go sign up for one. Go sign up Seriously, for one. You will begin. Yeah. you will begin training immediately for that thing if you put money on the line. Like go tell friends that by X date, I'm going to owe you so much money if I haven't done Y thing. You will go do it. Like this idea of putting it on a calendar, I absolutely love. It just reframes the the whole goal, right? It just turns it into something that is now time bound and you have to start moving in that toward that progress. If it's not part of those, you know, what's what's that acronym? Smart goals, right? The last, last part is the time boundness. If there's not, if there's not a goal time horizon, I'll, I'll be a better golfer. It's like, okay, bye. When, you know, like, how are you going to do it? Like what kind of practice you going to have? All that sort of stuff. I think this is part of the magic of a good financial plan that we don't talk about when we, you know, we always talk about begin with the end in mind. But man, when you set out these goals in writing that say, hey, I'm going to do X, I'm going to retire by this date and I need Y amount of money. Like that gets my brain working on the right stuff immediately. And we, I don't think we talk about that aspect, just sincerely putting the time in writing that I'm going to do these things makes it easier to save too. Don't you think? It puts all of your subconscious at work is what it does. It makes it so that all the parts of your brain are working toward the how 
while you're not even thinking about it. Uh, Amy certainly nailed it. Big thanks to her again. It's really cool. I've been listening to, as I mentioned beforehand, her stuff for so long and to actually chat with her. You feel like you're talking to an old friend and then you realize halfway through the conversation, I've never met this woman before (laughs) and I'm chatting away with my good buddy, Amy. Hey, let's uh, throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, Doug, they put what you value first. Uh, You know, here's what just really trips my triggers and gets me in a great mood is when I hit my step count goal as I'm stepping into bed, like that last step and your watch vibrates a little bit and then you fall into bed. You're like, yes, I did the bare minimum, (laughs) reached my goal, and now it's night-night time. This must have actually just happened to you. It did. I was so excited. It's like, it's better than getting exact change at the checkout counter. Where like, you just pull out of your pocket and it's like, you need 63 cents and that's exactly what you've got in your pocket. It exceeds that. And it just happened to me. And look how charged I am about it. Not one step wasted today. Not one single no. step. Not one. I didn't. I'm all about efficiency. <laughs> no fat in my game. Well, <laughs> it's your loved ones in your time. At hitting your step count. Yeah. It's why they made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. You go to stackybenjamins.com slash Haven Life now for a free quote. Their application, it's all simple. It's all online. You'll get an instant coverage decision, affordable prices. And you know what? Their policies are issued by Mass Mutual, which is more than 160 years old. Stackybenjamins.com slash Haven Life for more. Let's uh, throw out the lifeline to our friend Sean today. Hey, Sean. Hey, Joe, OG, and Doug. This is Sean from Pennsylvania, and my question for you has to do with the idea of saving money for specific purposes and then deploying that money when a certain criteria is met. For instance, you have always talked about buying a car with cash or paying off your car loan and then continuing to pay that loan to yourself. So when you need a new car in the future, you simply pull funds from that account. Fortunately, I've adopted that mindset and have been able to maintain that habit for quite some time, but I find myself struggling to actually spend the money even when the need arises. Case in point, the specific situation I'm grappling with now is that ever since the federal student loans have been put on pause, I've deposited the same monthly payment into a savings account so that when student loans finally re-enter repayment, I can make a lump sum payment, save quite a bit on interest, and lower the principal balance while having earned some negligible amount of interest along the way. Unfortunately, with the payment pause allegedly coming to an end this year, I'm torn as to what I should do. Should I make the lump sum payment? Should I hold on to the money and simply draw payments from that account? I assume there's some psychological block here that has to do with hoarding money, and perhaps I'm insecure about that amount of cash. But I'm curious if either of you have dealt with this before. And if so, what advice do you have for me and others in the same situation? Sean, thanks for that question. What a great question. And the answer is, yes, I've come across that. But, OG, how about you? Uh, I'm the exact opposite of that problem. You are the exact opposite. (laughs) I'm I'm like, I'll just buy the car and then figure out it'll be all right. It'll be cool. I'll figure out how to pay for it. I've got 30 whole days before the credit cards do. It's a long time to solve this problem. You realize that was out loud, right? Yeah. On a show about financial responsibility. <laughs> yeah. No, that's okay. Well, it's good though, because, because I think the cool thing here, I think the point is, is that you can fight that problem, right? Putting on yeah. the, the things to fight it, no matter what the issue is. This is also happens quite a bit with people who have debt and also enough cash to pay the debt off. 
and they'll say like, well, I, I know I owe 20,000 on my loan and I've got 40,000 in the bank. I just don't want to have my cash drop down to 20. And it's like, no, th- your balance sheet remains the same. It's, there is no difference to this except you stop paying interest to the bank. That's the same. You have the same net worth at the end of this transaction. And I think that may be the same thought process that you might think about, Sean, if you're thinking about the car or you're thinking about the student loan piece is that the outcome is the same. If everything goes belly up, then really kind of that, what's your concern, right? Your concern is, oh my gosh, what if I don't have a job tomorrow and I got to pay all these bills and I don't have any cash and et cetera, et cetera. Well, nothing will motivate you faster to get a job than not having a lot of cash, frankly. And if you have a boatload of money in the bank, maybe you take your sweet time and you're not as uh, diligent about trying to, uh, trying to solve that problem. But the bottom line is, is at the end of this transaction, you're net worth is the same. I mean, if you buy a car with 30,000 that you've set aside in cash, now you just have a $30,000 asset instead of 30,000 in cash. I mean, I get it that car is going to lose value, et cetera, et cetera. But in that moment, it's the same, you know, the same thing with your student loans, things pay off the student loans. Don't owe any interest. It's the same outcome. I think though, OG for a lot of people, if it's the same outcome, they feel more comfortable having the cash. Well, no, it's not the same. It's it's the same outcome on the balance sheet, but it's better for you to not have the interest payments to the bank. You save money doing that. So it's the same balance sheet outcome. And then the other real thing is, I think it helps to really quantify or write down, so what exactly are you most worried about? And is this solvable in another way? And it doesn't have to be the most optimal way. So I'm concerned that if I spend all my cash, I'm going to need it because the water heater will break or I'll get laid off. Well, you can go get more money. The The bank will lend it to you. It won't be favorable. If you need to borrow money to put a water heater in the house, it, will, it won't be a good interest rate, but it's doable. It's, it's not a survival situation. It's just not an optimal situation. So you know, we're trying to decide is the unlikely event of all of these calamities happening versus not paying interest on a, on a loan or yeah, in Sean's case, not paying interest on a loan. So write the check, just do it. And if you need help, I'll come over. I'm an expert spender of money, so I will help you spend it. It'll be fun. And that is why OG has things go automatically to the right places. And I do too, because I also have a spender personality. So I make sure that I don't, I don't keep cash on hand, but Sean, here's the thing I want to note from what OG said that I think is super important, which is for a lot of people in this situation, do the math. I like OG when you say quantify, but I like quantifying the cost to you every day that you don't do the thing because there is a cost to just hanging on to cash. And when you do the sit down, you do the math and you realize that this isn't the safety that it feels like it is. I think that's when you make the move. So for a lot of people, I worked with a lot of engineers and I found that when we did that math, they got out of their comfort zone in a hurry because they realized that where they're comfortable is not nearly as optimal as they thought that it was. Well, and this also happens on the other end of the spectrum, which is I save cash and I don't know how to invest it or I don't get, you know, to your point, I don't automate it. So I don't get to investing it. And now I have $50,000 in cash when before I had 30 
And it turns out that 50 feels a lot better in the bank than 30. <laughs> like that's, that's a way better number. And then you keep doing it and you're like, well, 70 is even better than 50. This is, this is a fun game. And, and, but every time you know that, okay, this is too much cash. Like it's not providing any long-term benefit for me. I've got my cash reserve. I've got my emergency fund funded. I've accounted for all of my future expenses, but now I have a hundred thousand dollars and golly, a hundred thousand is a lot of money to have in a bank. And it makes me feel all nice and cozy. But the right thing to do is to take 70 of that thousand or 75 of that maybe and get it invested. But that feels scary, even though that's the right thing to do. The right thing is, to your point, like you said, start doing the cost analysis of what's the inflation doing to this cash? What's the point of having this grow at a rate that's worse than inflation versus a rate that's two or three times inflation? And how does that affect it You know, over the next 20 years? It's it's kind of a weird, it kind of feels like a weird thing. Like I'm spending my money, even though yeah. back to what I said about the balance sheet, no, all you're doing is moving it from one pocket to the other. You're just going, I'm, this is still my account. It's still my money. It's still available to me at any time I want. It's just going to go up and down a little bit more than this money over here. So I think there's a second key as well, OG. And we, we you and I see this a lot when people pay off debt because there's no goal behind that. And they're looking too narrowly just at this one thing. They're not able to move beyond it. So when people would pay off debt often, I'd see them get right back into debt because they're not thinking, they're thinking of getting out of debt as a goal, not as a hurdle. There's a hurdle, which is debt. And that's keeping me from saving for retirement or whatever it might be. Thinking about that thing beyond widening your lens. Often, if this thing's going well, there might be two or three other areas where this money could be used that you're not looking at because you're so focused on this one area and being so happy with this one area. If you widen the lens and you go, oh my goodness, I make this move now, I freed up $300. I can use that $300 now towards something else. So I think sometimes, OG, you got to get excited about the other things, not about this thing to move yourself beyond this hurdle that you're experiencing in your head of, well, I kind of like it where it is. Sean, thanks a ton for that question. And it is, by the way, a great question to have, isn't it? Such a, such a great question to have. I'm, uh, I'm doing great and I'm having trouble moving on, but congratulations. And the cool thing is- You will feel a million times better being debt-free than piles of money in the bank. I can assure you of that. uh, Totally aggress. Second that emotion, as somebody once said. TM. Hey, that's going to do it for for today. Man, uh, time for our community calendar before we say goodbye. We've got a lot of great stuff. Uh, thanks to everybody who left a review. I know some of you uh, have sent me reviews and certainly don't send me a review so that I will send you a book. But I have these books that I use from people like Amy, as an example, to prep for their interviews. And after I prep, I just don't have room for them here in the basement. They start piling up. So we want to send those out. I haven't sent them out in a little while. So if you've sent me a review, it's coming. And the good news is now that I'm back home and not traveling so much, uh, we're going to start uh, cranking up the mailbag again this week. So I'd say it's been since uh, early December uh, when I started traveling that I've been to the, the mailbox. So if you sent one since then, expect an email from me here in the next couple of weeks. But if you put a review out there, wherever you listen to podcasts and you take a picture of it. Once again, do that because of the fact that you want to help the show. You want to show other people what they're getting into, which clearly as Bankrate explained is not the same thing as a lot of other shows. 
our show is way different than other shows. And they really point that out when they said that, uh, well, that they liked our show so much, which was very cool. But send it to me and, and I will put your name in the hat for a book. Coming up this week on the community calendar, though, man, Thursday, OG, we've got a big day. Robert Farrington's going to join us on the Fireside app and on YouTube to dive into tax software, wondering which tax software is best over at his company, The College Investor. They looked into all that, and every year, Robert comes on and uh, discusses the highs and the lows of the tax prep software. So bring your questions, because what I love about these lives is you get to ask whatever you'd like without us in the way. That's at noon Eastern and at 9 a.m., Pacific. Also on Thursday, later that afternoon, consumer financial expert Andrea Warwick joining me on Instagram Live to talk with you and me about juggling parenting and money. How do you set up your money to win while you're also a parent? She's the mom to two young children, handling it way better, OG, than Marie Kondo is. We talked about Marie Kondo last week going, hey, maybe they're staying organized all the time. When you got young, kids, got young kids around, not, not what it is. Andrea does a great job and uh, has a big Instagram channel where she talks about that a lot. And so we're going to have her help our stackers. That's at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. So noon and 5 p.m. Eastern, we're going to be on YouTube and then over on Instagram. But if you're not here for Instagrams or YouTubes, you're concerned about the market and the chatter about wondering which way this uh, market's going to go in 2023 and beyond. OG and his team have put together a free guide that shares eight moves to make in a down market. This guide will help you plan more and panic less no matter what the market does. So head over to stackingbenjamins.com slash guide. That's stackingbenjamins.com slash guide. Get this helpful free guide from OG. That's going to do for today. That's our community calendar. Uh, Doug, Stick the landing on this thing, brother. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, take some advice from Amy Porterfield. Looking to quit the 9 to 5 and go it on your own? Set the date on your calendar and prep your runway. By scheduling it, you lock your brain into figuring out how to make it reality. Second, French fries? Yeah, that is where we need stronger contract laws, not non-compete agreements. But the big lesson... Listen, some people get pissed even if you do give them two weeks. Don't get all pissy when I give you two weeks. I'm going to pants you, Joe. You've been warned. Thanks to Amy Porterfield for joining us today. Her book, Two Weeks Notice, Find the Courage to Quit Your Job, Make More Money, Work Where You Want, and Change the World is available anywhere there's still employees. We'll also include links in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. And shout out to basement dweller Janelle for encouraging me on my answer to today's Haven Lifeline question. Want to join in the fun like Janelle did? Connect with us in our Facebook group called The Basement. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. You can hire Paulette as your very own writing coach. With her program, Your Personal Editor, you get 10 sessions one-on-one with Paulette to add power to your words. More information at yourpersonaleditor.com. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at The 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of this show. 
Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. Have you uh, have you heard this bit from uh, Ron Swanson before? Hold on, I'm gonna play it. I don't know what to tell you, man. Just give me all the bacon and eggs you have. Wait, wait. I worry what you just heard was give me a lot of bacon and eggs. What I said was give me all the bacon and eggs you have. Do you understand? Do you understand? On Valentine's Day. Oh I was no. Walking goes, into Oh no. Oh no. I was walking this is into be a nice light funny no. bit like ah, chuckle chuckle chuckle. No. Oh no, he's going to make it real. True story. On Valentine's Day, uh walking into Tom Thumb cuz I was going to just grab a little thing of chocolates. We're tr- you know, we're trying to eat better, so you know, it's like don't 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 do the whole thing. Just it's fine. So I walk in there and uh, they have the Girl Scout cookies table. And the, the Girl Scout says, Hey, would you like to buy some Girl Scouts? And I said, yes, but get, let me, let me hit the store first. You don't, you don't know Girl Scout cookies are Doug. I'm, I'm afraid you said, you said buy Girl Scouts, which did a little girl which, ask you if you wanted to buy Girl Scouts. Yeah. Which is, which is not at all what we're discussing here. It must've glitched Girl Scout cookies. Yes. Anyways. So I go in, grab my little chocolates. I come out and I'm with my son and he goes, Dad, how many are you going to buy? And I said, all of them. And he's like, how many do they have? And I'm like, I have no idea, but we're going to buy all of them. And so I used that exact line. I said the exact same thing. I walked up and I go, I would like all of your Girl Scout cookies. And she goes, oh, okay. Well, they're, uh, we have this kind and this kind. I said, wait, what I think you just heard was, I want a lot of Girl Scout cookies. What I said was, I want all of the Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> and her dad goes, that'll be $200. <laughs> and he just starts throwing them in a box. 
And then, you know and why? Because dad's thinking we're out of here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I know. He was like, he was like, dude, fist bump, bro. And and the mom's like, and these Thin Mints are really good. You can put them in the freezer. And I went, ma'am, this isn't my first rodeo. And she just started laughing. <laughs> So little just, does, little I, does she know they're not even going to make it to the freezer. Yeah. So I came home and I said, sweetheart, I got you a box of tagalongs. And she's like, oh, the Girl Scouts are out. And, and, and Alex comes in with like three other bags. He goes, and all of the tagalongs and all of the other kinds that were there. So the guy only wanted 200 bucks. Did they have what, like six boxes of cookies left? Right. Yeah. No, they were, they were five bucks a piece. So I ended up with 40 boxes. And it, and it cleared him out. Like it was, it was almost exactly, I think he might've given me one extra box or something like that, but it was like, he knew how many, he was like, this dude's a closer. I got it. <laughs> Did he have a tear in his eye and did he hand you a beer as you no, were getting your cookies? No, he was, uh, he was like, let me put these in boxes for you. I'm like, that's all right. Just throw them in bags. He's like, oh, we've got the boxes that they originally came in. And he's like, stuff. he's like, here's your case of thin mints. Here's your case of tagalongs. We have four extra s'mores. We've got, you know, whatever. So, you know, what's great about those. If you've got the space, we talked about, you know, the consternation people have last week around Valentine's day, but seriously, if, if I walked over to your house and there was some reason for you to give me a gift, You'd be very tired. If I would be, that'd be a long walk, <laughs> but if I, but, but if I came over to your house and you were giving me a gift for some reason and you gave me a box of Girl Scout cookies, like who would be mad? Like that, that yeah. for, for five bucks, that's a phenomenal like gift to give friends. So my middle son doesn't like, well, he can't have a lot because of the peanut stuff, but we we're like, Hey dude, you got to try the thin mints again. They're just so amazing. And he had one half of one. He goes, it tastes like brushing your teeth. And I was like, dude, if this tasted like brushing my teeth, that's all I would do every day. <laughs> COG with crumbs all over his beard. Because I can put down a sleeve of these in about 41 seconds. <laughs> Fresh out of the freezer. It's like, not to mix a whole bunch of television programs, but have you seen the, the Simpsons when Homer goes to hell? And the devil's like, the whole idea of hell and Simpsons is that they, they make you do the thing that you like doing so much that you stop liking it. And so they're feeding Homer donuts two at a time in this machine. It's like a donut machine that just keeps on like shoving two donuts in his mouth. And he's like, more, 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 more. He's just like, just, just chomping down. And you know, the devil's like, golly, dang it. Okay. You're out of here. I can't. Uh, anyways. So did you see our friend, uh, Mel Robbins, who was on the show last year, uh, had a meme right when girl scouts, when girl scout cookies start, started coming out. The cool thing is, by the way, about Girl Scout cookies throughout the country, they're all different times. So quite literally, Ah. I have never made this offer before, but if you have a Girl Scout that needs enough credits to get the trip to wherever or something, I'm your Huckleberry. Like, you know, I'm kind of (laughs) topped out right now for the, for the February season. But as, as they kind of progress throughout the country, feel free to, uh, hit OG at stackingbenjamins.com and, um, Tell me how many how many credits you need to to reach that is that to is, reach the the, the TV or Barbie or whatever it is that you're trying to buy. This is going to go poorly. What else is there to do on a Monday afternoon than order a girl's cookies? In our Scout headline cookies? today, uh, Texas-based financial advisor goes bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> the good news is, I want to get to Mel Robbins' point here though because I think she makes a great point that puts a pin in exactly what you're saying, OG. She wrote a couple of weeks ago, you call it eating five boxes of Girl Scout cookies alone. 
I call it supporting young female entrepreneurs. That's exactly right. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend, OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate take a look at all the military appreciation month offers and their usual offers navy federal our members are the mission navy federal is insured by ncua equal housing lender